follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? Uh, doing good, Shad. Doing good. I'm glad to hear it. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for this episode. We are going to get our shout-outs taken care of right here at the beginning. The first one is going to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That is number four, capital C, corners, capital P, and podcast. To save 10% off your order, our other shout-out goes over to Matt. Yeah, that would be a shout-out to Orlando Cologne. You know, Shad, Orlando yeah. Cologne, there's more to him than meets the eye. More than meets the eye? That yes. sounds like a segue, man. It, it is a segue. <laughs> you guys may remember from uh, last last week, uh, we, we said we were going to do this, and so tonight... It is the 1986 animated feature. Well, probably not feature. Animated film. No, this was in theaters. Okay. This was in theaters, yes. Yeah. Animated feature film Transformers. Yes, this was the a movie. theatrical film, and this was actually quite a controversial film at the time. And, um. Oh, here it comes. Yep. There it goes. You hear it. Here it comes. Building. Yep. 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 There it is. Gonna kick in in a second. <laughs> the Optimus transforming us. The video I'm watching. Yep. <laughs> that was by hair metal band Lion. Yeah. yeah. This whole. Let's just get this out of the way because we're gonna talk about it. This film has a fucking amazing soundtrack. I, I actually love this soundtrack so much. It's just pure 80s hair metal. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I, I refer to this soundtrack in my head. It is labeled as super 80s because yeah. there's 80s soundtracks. And then there's like some 80s soundtracks you have. Um, you know, you've got the, the pop stuff. And so. You, you you know you've got the um the bangles and you've got uh you know the walk like an egyptian and that but then this is super 80s because not only is this very 80s sounding music this is like amp you up like high excitement 80s sounding music oh yeah and they even have a weird al song that's it's 80s hair metal and then a Weird Al song. Yeah, there's there is a uh, there's a syntax error in the Wikipedia article for it because it mm -hmm. refers to 
uh, rock acts and hair metal acts such as I can't remember what the first one is and Weird Al Yankovic. And I'm like, no, it I'm like, Al is not heavy metal and his song and it was not his his song was like a like a, a, a synth rock Devo ripoff or Devo yeah. style parody. So let's let's if there's a Wikipedia editor out there, could you please go fix that? Because I don't really want to make an account just for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, have you um, it's Brad stepped out. So I think mm-hmm. he would he would have something to say about this probably. But I'm have back. you heard? I can't oh, you're back. Him. OK. Yeah. Have you heard of I know Brad probably has. Have you heard, Chad, of the cyber uh, cybertronic spree? I've heard of the polyphonic spree, but not the cybertronic spree. The cybertronic spree is a band that dresses up in Transformers costumes <laughs> and it does like heavy metal and hair metal songs. Um, they're kind of like a, obviously they're like a gimmick. Um, yeah. And they, it's it's very like it's kind of like tongue in cheek. Yeah. But they're actually like good musicians. Like they have, they're accomplished. Yeah, I'd yeah. say so. their their biggest weakness is their vocalist isn't great. Mm-hmm. But they do they, they don't do just Transformers. They do like other. Oh yeah, metal they did. Stuff, they too. do um. They do Immigrant Song by like Zeppelin. Yeah. That was that's actually a really good one. Um, it's just really fun watching them because they have like pretty good costumes. Yeah. Like. It, like they I mean, have RC, yeah. RC is really well yeah. done. I don't remember what the other ones are. Uh, it's I have a picture of them now. It's it's actually Unicron, uh, appropriate for what we're going to discuss <laughs> tonight. Uh, Shockwave. Uh, I think it's Rumble, and then someone is Hot Rod, and someone is RC. RC I think is the main singer, right? And then they, you have a Quintesson, and then Bumblebee and Shockwave. Hmm. So it's uh, it's quite a few mem- people in the band, but. It's that's a fun group. I've never seen them live. I'm mean, with the pandemic. I don't even know it with, with what they're doing now. But uh, the costumes are pretty good. Like think uh, think like a Night Mage level. Like mm-hmm. it's pretty fun. So yeah. <clears throat> so there was a there's I, I'm gonna go ahead and put this right out there at the beginning. Is there's there's Two big songs by is it by Seth something? I Stan can't remember. Bush. Stan Bush. Yeah. There's two songs that are that are gonna re- recur in this. Um and they're the the mo that and, and Weird Al's Dare to Be Stupid, oddly mm. enough from the album Dare to Be Stupid. Uh those are really the standouts because the other stuff kind of seems to fade, but Well Stan Bush kind of made a it's kind of I would say he went away for a long time, but the last, I'd say, 15 or 20 years, he's made a living strictly off of being associated with this movie because I believe he did something for, I think he did an updated version of The Touch for one of the Michael Bay movies. <laughs> I think that's true. <laughs> I Okay, full disclosure, I have never watched this movie beginning to end before. So oh, really? Yeah, this is the first time I've watched it beginning to end. Like I've I, seen enough bits and pieces that I could string it together, but I um, I did not see this in theaters, but I did get it like as a video rental probably fairly soon after yeah. it came out on video. So I probably saw this the first time in like '87. If I had that to was, guess, 
That was probably okay. when I was watching The Land Before Time for the 86th time. Land Before Time was like 89. Okay, ish. well, uh, I I just needed my Don Bluth trauma in my childhood, I guess. But uh, <clears throat> no, I, I this is the first time I've seen it, but there's a, there are the couple of times in the movie I'm sitting there and I hear the chords and just because of what the song is directly in time with it i leaned back pointed at the screen and lip synced along with you got the touch um because you i feel like that if that's not a law that probably should be somewhere oh this also um the touch also got covered by oh shit what's his name the the main character in boogie nights did like a karaoke to this dirk diggler yeah Wow. Okay. So they that it, it, it I think that's what it was covered in. So there is a movie where they do like a, a, a cover of it. And then um, the other one that that comes up more often than the touch is dare for all the words that go here, but you don't remember. You know that that just <laughs> those are the ones that kept popping up. And I was like, "What the heck is this song?" I had to go look it up. I did own the I did own the CD of the soundtrack at one point in my life. Just FYI. It is yeah. It, this is super eighties, very much. Yeah, did I believe you <laughs> can survive? Okay, that's all I remember. And I just watched it like last night. So I, yeah, that's, it, it's and, a super catchy song though. That's, yeah, it, it, it kind of does stick with you at least like the melody. Really, the only important part to it is just him shouting dare, and then there's some <laughs> words that come after it, but you're not really paying attention to them at that point. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, I do think this looks really good in the Blu-ray version. Oh, see, I, I'm, I just – I'm pretty sure I have this movie on DVD or Blu-ray, but I – I didn't sort through my DVDs to find it, so I just – I literally did the lazy route and just paid like three bucks – to, to rent it on uh, Amazon Video. That's, that's what I did. That's what I did. You know, yeah, what's stupid though is I actually, version. I actually found the whole movie on YouTube for free. It was really hard to find, but I actually found it. Like wow. Earlier today, I'm like, oh great, that would have been nice to know. <laughs> but um, it looks really good. Um, there are some weird quirks in the animation, like mistakes and stuff. But I feel like that's kind of par for the course for animation back in the day. And some reused shots. Yeah. You get some of those, too. But I also think this movie... I think part of why this movie is such an oddity, too, for its time period, is it's it's very anime. Okay. It, so it's... Some of the, the, um, the animation is not fantastic in the sense that some of the Autobots... The design isn't as uh, complex as some animes I've seen, but you are correct. That's actually something that I, I wrote down on my notes, that the the style at times, and I guess overall, is very anime. Especially Unicron. Uh, espe Unicron's very <clears throat> yes. anime. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, Unicron is very anime. It's it's obviously this is heavily inspired by anime, and there are there are portions of it, especially like the, the space stuff. Like, mm -hmm. that's very anime. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of reminiscent. It reminds me of, uh, you know, episodes of of Voltron or um, 
whatever uh whatever the one that was that had the heroes that had the kind of like hawk themed oh um, um, silverhawks battle of the planets battle of the planets oh, that's battle what of i was the thinking planets, of yeah. the the space stuff reminded me of that a lot so this is so my my wife watched this with me and this is the first time she had seen it. We might do a bonus episode where she reviews it with me. Um, but so oh really? Because my wife wanted to watch it and she like basically I had to watch it late at night and uh-huh. she yeah. said she had fallen asleep and then she was actually mad. She's like I wanted to watch it and they give my two cents on it. So maybe maybe we'll do competing. Oh yeah, we can uh, do that. get the we'll get Jeez. the wives in on it. <laughs> You know what? I'll ask my wife if she wants to just to see what happens. So I kind of I kind of explained well, I kind of explained I, some groundwork for her because it is a very weird movie because I told her like if you because she she doesn't have like much connection to Transformers at all. She didn't watch it as a kid. Um, so she doesn't know much past like the couple of toys I have. And I told her, I said, you know, you, the thing you have to keep in mind is this is like G.I. Joe where in the cartoon, like everyone got out of the vehicle before it exploded. Yeah. And there were no stakes in this movie. Like everything is stakes in this movie. Like I think that's yeah. part of I think like that's kind of almost what I feel like the the fir- the, the 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 introductory battle in Autobot City. I almost feel like is a palate cleanser of the movie telling you like get you know you better buckle up because this is not what you think it's going to be. <laughs> this is different than what you, you might be expecting. Cause like, yeah, they tell you that pretty fast. Because there's like, they, like even little things like Starscream having to blow his own foot off because oh, he gets yeah. stuck in like the transforming city. So early on, this is something that struck me. Like this movie starts out hitting hard, right? It does not. You know, we're in the first what? five minutes if that and they start they just start gacking people because my wife uh, commented like when ironhide bit it she's like wow he just totally shot that guy in the face and i'm like yep that's something that i feel like in in other podcasts we've briefly discussed it but this yeah. movie is shockingly violent and i i don't as a kid i didn't fully appreciate it but you're right. Like there are dudes just getting murked left and right, and, and they, people that you like loved, you absolutely loved watching, like for the first season or two, like a couple seasons of Transformers, and they just bite it, and they bite it in like seconds. And there's and there's no there's, there's no, off like, screen. There's people you just see corpses of that. Oh, like, like Wheeljack. Yeah, Wheeljack is a major part of season one and, of Generation One. And that's Windcharger <laughs> that she's carrying his corpse away. Yeah. That was one thing that struck me. It's like, okay, we knew going in that the premise was it's like, well, we need some new toys, so we're gonna we're gonna wipe some stuff out here. But and okay, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna murk some people um, and and take them out. But how easily so many of the Autobots went down really surprised me. It's just you know, one shot and then he's down. I'm just like, I, oh, now, yeah. uh, maybe, maybe this is just me, but I thought you guys were like s- kind of sort of soldiers in a war here. You, yeah, but it's just like, yeah, oh, that one's gone. I think you that could justify gone. it 
in in more modern terms, you could justify it based on what Optimus Prime and Ironhide talked about that they might have been low on energon when they were flying to the city, and that's why they went down but so the, easy. But they, that would they, make would that make your structural integrity weaker? Yes. Did, did does low energon give you transformer osteoporosis? I mean, it <laughs> makes you weaker, so it would take your it would it would wipe your stamina out. That I did. They did mention that, and maybe you are supposed to, that they, they were low on energon. I mean, but maybe that's maybe that's uh, something that you probably should have like picked up on more. But it just was kind of like a passive comment, and they didn't really focus on it that much. So, like the only I thing they said is thoughts. we've got to go to Autobot City because we need more energon cubes to take back Cybertron. And I, here I am thinking it's like okay. You need gas in the tank to be able to go do stuff like that's. I, I was not steeped in Transformers as a child, so well, so the conceit is pretty much that they burned Cybertron out and with their war and everything. So that's why they end up on Earth because they're looking for Energon. And in other mediums, it's not Energon cubes. That's kind of a conceit of the cartoon. It's more they can do the oil straight up, but they need fossil fuel essentially okay but yeah uh, that's what i'm thinking i'm thinking you need gas because you've got to transport everybody there and you need supplies for protracted conflict and that sort of stuff not like oh if we don't if we're not at full charge then our screens crack immediately kind of thing i also think you could justify it too is if you look at any other even in this like they were taking they were taking point blank shots to their structures where a lot in the cartoon is stuff at distance. Uh, I don't know. It, there's a lot of Autobot stuff that just comes off as fragile to me. And so I'm, I'm sitting here going like it, it took me out of it in how f obvious I'm watching a movie about transforming robots, right? Like there's, there's a certain amount of buy-in to it. But just how easy a lot of the Autobots went down, it kind of took me out. I'm like, hey, and you guys were going to win this how? And you also have to remember, too, though, like, so Braun, I would question, but like Ratchet going down easy, he's a medic. Um, Wheeljack's a scientist. Windcharger's not necessarily a fighter. Like, that's the other thing you have to keep in mind is a lot of the Autobots are not necessarily people that are that are that are civilian types that were pulled into militaristic jobs. Okay. Counterpoint later on. And, and in case you haven't figured this one out, folks, it, spoilers just all over the place for it. later on. Ultra Magnus goes down immediately <clears throat> and he is like supposed to be a soldier and a big deal. And I'm just, I'm like, I, w I expected more here. I mean, he essentially got executioner shot against the junk wall, though, by three of the sweeps. <clears throat> Still, right? Okay, the biggest defender to me. They come flying, and I'm sorry, I'm monopolizing this with my this point, but let me get this out, and then I'll shut up for a while. They come in. They're going to stop the the reinforcing the city, all this kind of stuff. And the Constructicons have made Devastator. All right. Who? Can I pause you right there? Yeah. Devastator? I, I did like how he was – I mean he was always 
presented in the at least the first couple seasons of the show as a big deal. He is just fucking bodying folks when when he's attacking like uh, Autobot City. Yeah, like he's just wrecking shit. Wait, they, he's there's some uh-huh. deleted animator scenes where to get hit, like to get the Constructicons to break up, and I wish they would have kept it because it's really cool. Like Ultra Magnus pulls up in vehicle mode. And, like, mm-hmm. all of these Autobots, like, Red Alert, tracks, like, Sideswipe all come out of his wagon. And mm-hmm. they all just transform and they just, like, concentrate, like, the heaviest firepower they can and make him blow apart. Oh, that's cool. And then they get in this running fight with Constructicons and, like, Red Alert totally just gets, like, murked while that's going that on. That sounds... That sounds awesome. Like, I'm sorry that we didn't get that. And then there's, like, there's more with that where, like, <clears throat> um, you know when he, like, throws Megatron... Megatron yeah. actually goes for a kick and Optimus Prime like catches him and then he ch- chucks him. And then when Hot Rod like intervenes, he actually fights through a bunch of Decepticons to get there. This everything you're just you're saying right now sounds like it would have made the movie better. <laughs> yeah, that's not, well, that that actually would have been really good if they had kept that in because it kind of well, we'll get to it. But I mean, they obviously they established Hot Rod as like a, a character that you should be paying attention to or interested in because they gave him a lot of screen time, but they didn't really establish, in my opinion, a lot that he was like, this is the guy that he's going to be like, he's the new baby. He's the new prime baby face head, baby face (laughs) (laughs) that now that Optimus bites it. I mean, he Um, did, he did disrupt their plan slightly. He did stop the ambush. He, he spoiled it. Um, And of course, Starscream has to fall over like a dumbass. Yeah. I Starscream, um, forever is probably my favorite decepticon just because yes he's like a like weasley cowardly asshole but (laughs) he always like would try to backstab people he gets his Uh, moment in this movie before he totally yeah yeah. dies one of the one of the websites that i actually adore and i i often read like probably on a at least a weekly basis is tv tropes um, there's a reason why Starscream has his own trope named after him. Yeah. Uh, the trope being like the someone who's like a, a dragon or like a, a very high level bad guy who's always trying to backstab the main bad guy to take over. Yeah, that 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 trope is like is dubbed the Starscream. Like that's a reason that he is, and he gets his moment in this. Yeah, one. He, so, he does. So let's do this. Why don't we just go through <laughs> Wait, the movie? Let me let me chrono- back up real quick and, let, and oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I sidetracked from. Well, let's let's go through this chronologically and we can comment as we we progress through the plot. How about we do that other than talking about like the issue with and I do think I do. I am arguing with Shad, but it is an issue with the movie of the there is kind of a should we say an arbitrary level of. Of. um, Stamina between the various battles in this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we start off um, with Unicron eating a, a scientific planet, which I thought the pl- the planet was very anime, but I thought that was a cool opening scene. It mm-hmm. tells you a lot in a very short period of time with no dialogue. Which I'm sitting here watching it. I'm like, okay, I like this because we have this planet here. They're doing research. They have a domestic setting. The thing's bringing in what is very clearly liquid refreshment to it, you know, like we get a bunch of that information early on, and then Unicron's like, "Sup, nom 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 nom," and his banging the the banging Unicron 
theme. So then there's one character that gets named because he he pops up later. Because one guy oh, gets yeah. away from the whole Unicron thing. Yeah, whose name I can't remember. I think it's Kranix. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, something like that. So then we so then we we go through this good intro, we get to see the the big voice cast they brought into this because so we get we get Leonard Nimoy, Orson Welles, mm-hmm. Robert Stack, <clears throat> Eric Idle, and Lionel Standard. And Judd Nelson. Yeah, and Judd Nelson. Um Lionel Standard, most people probably don't know, but he was in like a crap load of stuff from like the thirties to the seventies. I guess looking, I'm looking up on Wikipedia right now. So this movie came out in 86 and I guess he was in the TV show heart to heart, which I don't really remember, but that was like a big, that was a big show. I remember it being like a big show and I guess he had like a prominent role in that. So he would be very, uh, very of the moment. He would have been like a star that people would know. Yeah. And he does like, I think he does a really good job of this. Like there's a lot about cup in this movie that just like his voice. Oh presents. yeah. He, I actually thought cup was like the best like part awesome, of the movie. He was like an awesome character in this movie. And then they, I, I'm glad that they brought him into the TV show. Yeah. Because I felt he was really, really fun. Yeah. He he was definitely the most fleshed out character in yeah. the whole movie. I don't know. There was some there was some little stuff as a kid that you don't pick up on that they, they put in there that I thought was well done. Like the and it, the, sadly they weren't on screen enough together, but like the little bits of sexual tension between RC and Hot Rod I thought was really well done. <laughs> oh yeah. I liked I so this was a fun movie and an interesting movie to watch as an adult because I remember it from when I was a kid, but obviously when you watch things as a, as a, an adult that you watch as a kid, you, you pick up a lot more nuance and I did pick that up and it actually confused me because I was like, whoa, I always thought in the cartoons, like the season two uh, or season three, whatever, whatever happened after this, like I thought that RC and Springer were like a, I- a night. I always thought that as a kid, but then you watch this as an adult, and you're like, oh, wow, they, they really put a nice little playful <clears throat> relationship <throat> in there with them. Mm-hmm. And um, All I really want to do is just slot in here that that means that Hot Rod and RC were considering some clanging and banging. But... <laughs> So we go to we go to the they so they we get like a we get a brief narrator they brought the guy from the the animated show back so essentially the war hasn't gone well for the Autobots and they they only have two moons around Cybertron they've been completely driven off planet so we get um, Optimus Prime is telling Ironhide to go to Earth because they're gonna try a big assault on Cybertron but. Unfortunately for them, uh, Laserbeak was spying on them. Because... It's not unfortunate. It's that their security sucks. <laughs> because the two best Decepticons are Laserbeak and Ravage. And um, so Laserbeak goes back and um, Megatron gets a nice little fuck you jab in at Starscream by saying like, mm-hmm. hey, you never fail me, Laserbeak. And, you know, pets him and loves on him and otherwise, you know woos him so then they replay it and then so they decide to ambush the the shuttle and they're gonna fly it right into autobot city and just wreck the place yeah and and ambush them because they're flying in on an autobot shuttle 
Yeah. Now there is an and, IDW comic of this, and I don't remember who attacked him, but they they added some scenes to that where I think one of the other Decepticon combiners like keeps Omega Supreme um, occupied while this is going on. You know, I was so I was reading about this on, uh, ironically enough, on TV tropes, <laughs> and I think I did read that that. They in the comic book they explained it because that's that's something that I guess people not as a kid like you didn't really think about it but as an adult people probably watched it and was like hey whatever happened to these other like Transformer characters like why wouldn't they just join in the fray and so in that comic they explained it away like oh uh, like Minasaur or somebody like another combiner like they were fighting um, Omega Supreme all these characters were fighting off screen. Uh, which is kind of to me, it's always like a cop out whenever they, whenever they pull stuff like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah this this happened off screen, that's why. But it does logically make sense in this context. Yeah, and um, there are there are some there are some established characters you see in the background that I'll point out as we get a little further. So we get to the shuttle, Brawn, Prowl, Ironhide, Ratchet. Was there one other one? They they pretty much bite it in a couple of minutes. As they yeah. take over the shuttle, so then we and can I interject real quick? Yep, I, the, I've mentioned this before, but this includes like the this is the fucking coldest scene in in not just in animation, but in almost all of film. I stand by that statement. Is that like Ironhide is seemingly mortally wounded, but he's he like just crawls over and he's like grabbing it at Megatron's leg, saying like, no, like don't you know don't ambush the other Autobots and and Megatron just looks at him and goes such heroic nonsense and just blows him the fuck away it is brutal it is like the coldest scene just like the casual like disgust that Megatron shows it's amazing yeah Yeah. this is a kid's movie a kid's movie and as a kid you're just like oh my god like uh, that Autobot just died and this is like adult it's like what the fuck and this is some (laughs) That, that is not an Autobot just died. That is an Autobot just straight up got murdered. And this mm. is like, and they're they're getting blown away to some like ass banging like power metal while this is going on too. <laughs> yeah. So then <laughs> we switch scenes to Earth. Um, now I will say, I was a little worried Daniel was going to be annoying because little kids in eighties movies, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, is usually bad. And I would say he has his moments, but they keep him pretty restrained i he never got on my nerves that's a good way to put it he's more restrained he's supposed to be there for not exactly your protagonist role but he's your he's your audience insert so that you can explain things to everybody yeah Mm -hmm. um and they don't do that a lot which is nice i don't i god i don't like um like you guys, I don't like that method when it's like, well, we got to explain everything to somebody. Let's have a dumb kid. It's like, look, they did that with Luke Skywalker in A New Hope, and it worked fine. It just so happened Luke didn't know anything because he hadn't been anywhere, but he wasn't stupid. He was able to pick up on what you're telling him. But if it's a dumb kid, we explain everything in detail so the dumb kids get it. Like you said, this was a bit more restrained than that. Yeah, so they are fishing. And they um, see the shuttles coming, 
And so he kind of heads off on his hoverboard that's very um, Back to the Future-ish. And he blows up in 30 seconds. Yeah, I, this might have predated <laughs> Back to the Future, though, so it might not have been a ripoff of Back to the Future 2, but it gives you a chance for, like, Hot Rod to transform. So then he blows through this um, roadblock, which if, you, if you're really careful and watching your background characters, you can see Huffer and Hound helping put the... Um, the roadblock up and then this introduces cup who i think calls him a turbo running young punk and he'll straighten mm-hmm. him out yet so they get up to the, the they get up to the ledge and um daniel's like hey hot rod there's a hole in the shuttle so hot rod looks and there's starscream so he opens fire on the ship pretty much all hell breaks loose um the Decepticons attack. It has one of my favorite scenes, though, where um, Blitzwing has Hot Rod lined up for a shot, and Cup comes out of like nowhere and lifts his tank cannon and blows one of the Insecticons away. Mm-hmm. Which I like because it's like they kind of establish him as like an old timer, but he does this like really like badass, savvy move. So they start heading towards the city. And then Perceptor pretty much explains what's going on. And we get introduced to some of our voices, which um, Blur is the guy that did the micro machines. Yeah, I knew that was the I was going to say it's like, oh, the first time I heard that, I was like, oh, the micro machines guy is still getting more. Oh, never mind. I don't remember his name, though. (laughs) I'll look it up. Yeah. Uh, Let me look it up really quickly. I have. I have it right in front of me. Did he used to do monster trucks too? And uh, Motormouth John, uh, Motormouth John, Moshida. Moshida. Okay. AKA the fast talking guy. Yeah. <laughs> so then they they transform the city. They have another cool scene where Hot Rod and Cup have to get in, and they run over the Insecticons to do it, which is also a brutal scene because he runs over like one of them, and it just like squishes. He doesn't even think anything of it. He's like, nope. It's like, they're not in our way. They're on our way. And just mows him down. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Well, I mean. So this, this, like, all hell breaks loose. I mean, this is like, this battle is just absolute chaos. And I think it does, like, a really great job of just, like, showing the chaos of war. But another great scene, though, is, so Perceptor goes and gets um, Blaster to radio prime and Soundwave sends all his cassette tapes up there and i i had to look this up so this is the first time they revealed that the blaster also had tapes so they're fighting with them and blaster's like no way to complain he sicks all of his like tapes on Soundwave's tapes were his the the more animal shaped ones or were his the a, humanoid shaped ones he had a he had two humanoid shapes and then he had a rhino and like a puma Okay. Yes. What's a puma? It's like a chupa thingy. <clears throat> Sorry. And it wasn't Laserbeak um, that was out there. It was Ratbat. <laughs> yes. And uh, who was the fucking, like, the dog? Oh, that was just Rumble. No, that was Ravage. Sorry. Ravage. That's it. I couldn't yeah. remember the name. Because mm-hmm. Ravage, Ravage comes up later and fucks some shit up on the shuttle. You know what? I, speaking of Blaster, I liked that voice actor. 
because they also did some he did a couple voices yeah yeah i was a fan of him i don't i don't even know his name but he was fun and so then they they formed devastator the autobots are like using this catapult to like launch (laughs) missiles at them which i think is one of the best animated ones where devastator's trying to pull this wall off to throw it at them and then the rest of the decepticons are just hauling ass because the autobots are just blowing everything up around them yeah cup cup is in his grizzled veteran role was it cup that was you the operating the thing it was springer oh, okay cup cup's got the great grizzled veteran role but springer says i got better things to do than die tonight and i'm like yeah. okay that's a pretty good line and so then he takes that out and then you get this awesome scene where you just see like it's the middle of the night and you just see like laser blasts all over the city and then it goes to morning and the city's just like absolute trashed and then um optimus prime lands the dinobots fight with devastator shad was upset about this because yeah okay because my understanding (laughs) was you're gonna have to correct me but i I thought like devastator's a big deal but the dinobots are a big honking deal is what my understanding was and prime says to grimlock grimlock you and the Dinobots take down Devastator. So I thought we were going to get this, like, because this this movie, the pacing of this movie is wildly back and forth, but we're in this frantic. So I thought we'd have this little scene of, like, the Dinobots wolf packing on Devastator or something. It's like, mm-hmm. and Grimlock's like, Grimlock always up for challenge. Jumps out, they all jump out of the shuttle. Grimlock takes a super kick out of the movie for a half hour. Like he gets he gets one sweet chin music and we don't see him on screen for like a half hour. They the Dinobots roll up on Devastator and Devastator just hits all of them once and then they're just they're just gone. Well, no, that's not true. Um, Slag did push him into a wall. Okay, we got one thing from from the Pterodactyl, but like seriously, what? These are like the heavy hitters for the Autobots, and they're just like, gone, done, not messing with that. They've never beat – I don't think they ever beat him in the cartoon. I think they always, like, fought to some, like, weird stalemate. But I want to say that the Dinobots get really fleshed out as characters in this movie because they're kind of just blank slates in the the cartoon, and they kind of get some color in this. Yes, but I I, – I do see what Chad is saying, and I agree. It's like they 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 were always presented as like big honking deals, and they go up against Devastator, and he basically it's like a it's almost like a curb stomp. Like they're most most of them are treated as jobbers. Yeah. In that battle, and it's like, damn, like they couldn't they couldn't combine not actual combine in the sense of like transformer combiners, but they couldn't like work as a unit to give him a bigger uh like problem like. So I, I agree with you, Shad. Like I didn't really care for that, but um, the yeah, Dinobots are kind of like a, a really a personal favorite of mine, as most people love them. Like most people, there's a reason why Grimlock in particular has been like. There's been different iter- iterations of Grimlock in subsequent Transformer shows that don't they don't really follow the the G1 Generation One uh, format, but yeah. See, the only Transformer I remember having, because I had a handful of them, but the only one I even remember the name of was Grimlock. 
Because it was cool. It was a T-Rex transformer, right? Yeah. But he never transforms out of T-Rex form in this movie. And the other thing that's weird to me is that they're the size of the Dinobots seems to just kind of arbitrarily change over the course of it. Like in one scene, they're like just as tall as everybody else. And then another scene, they're just huge. And I'm like, I, what? Well, as much as I, I love Transformers, that is something that, that doesn't make sense, but they do, they play with a lot. They, they play very uh, hard and loose with the physics of things. Like you have Astrotrain running around, and he is like in 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 robot form. He is the same size as the other Decepticons, except when they need him to like escape. In which case, he transforms, and then literally like a dozen or more uh, Decepticons in full robot mode can actually fit inside. You him. know, I can hand wave on some of that even, because then it's you know in is his he, transit is, is, form. Uh-huh. He's making just the outer shell or something. And then when he's in robot form, it's compressing. And so you don't have all that empty space. Like mm. I can kind of hand wave some of that on a logical level, but some, some of the stuff just, just throws me and I'm so baffled. By it. But yeah, here come the, here come the Dinobots at Devastator and Devastator is just like, Devastator squashes them faster than that episode of Nitro we watched where the giant killed three jobbers. I mean, they Just get their boom, heat boom, boom. back. Eventually, like an hour later. No, they do. They do before they leave Earth. I don't think you see them again before no, they you leave. No, do, you do. There's, we'll get to it. But there's a scene with them that's really funny. So then um, so then we get, we get the big battle, like Optimus Prime says he has to stop Megatron and he pretty much blows up every Decepticon between him and Megatron. Right. Prime is the only one who has like, you have this whole running fight going and all this sort of stuff. And it seems like Prime is the only Autobot that actually takes anybody out. <laughs> I'm like, well, okay. It's pretty clear why he's in charge, but what, what were the rest of you guys doing? <laughs> The, the, what, if you if you watch the deleted C1, I sent it to Shad. You do see a yeah. little more. It fleshes that out a lot better. It, it does, but uh, like like I said, the pacing in this movie is all over, and it 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 I don't like that. Now my wife would like my wife called Megatron out for what a douchebag he is for his repeated insistence that he was going to crush <clears throat> Optimus Prime with his bare hands, and then that he mm-hmm. did. Because he mm-hmm. does anything but use his bare hands, like, mm-hmm. in this. So, uh, they get really fucked up, like, fighting. Yeah. And, um, so he gets Megatron down, he's gonna finish him off, Hot Rod interferes, and he had taken this, like, kind of gut wound from a, from a lightsaber, essentially is what it was, and Megatron shoots him there, and then he's like, it's over Prime, and then he does this big dramatic never, and he does like a double punch to Megatron, and he goes down hard. Mm-hmm. So then we get we get an interesting dynamic here is we get to see how the Autobots and the Decepticons handle essentially their leaders perishing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the Autobots is like a very organized, like touching 
scene, and then with the Decepticons, they they use democracy to decide if they're gonna chuck some uh, members of their <laughs> of their party off the the ship. So Thundercracker <laughs> and um, oh, what was the blue one called? Thundercracker, no, I... Thundercracker and Skywarp, and the Insecticons get ch- tossed off the ship, and then Starscream's like. Uh, well, how it pains me to do this, Megatron. Mm-hmm. And then he just Megatron t- says, "No, I'm still functional." And Starscream goes, "Lol, didn't hear you, bye." Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> the exact, the exact quotes. And this is like where where Starscream gets his big line, like how Megatron had the cold line earlier. Starscream had his own, like just fuck. He's what a fucking asshole. And the little <laughs> smirk he gets on his face. Oh yeah, Megatron goes, "I still function." And Starstream looks at him with a smirk, just a shit-eating grin, and it goes, wanna bet? And then throws him <laughs> out of Astro Train. It is fantastic. And then the, the Decepticons start arguing. So Starscream says he should be the leader. Mm-hmm. Soundwave says it should be him. The, the Constructicons say no, and they call um, Soundwave an uncharismatic bore. And so he lets all of his tapes come out. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Rumble says no one calls him uncrasmatic. Yeah. And then they start fighting. Um, Ravage really fucks some people up there. Yeah. Because I love that scene where the so the Rumble and Frenzy like do their like earthquake thing and they they break Devastator up and then you just see Ravage just like jump on someone's back as they're like falling apart. Mm-hmm. I think he goes for the jugular <laughs> on someone too. Yeah. Uh, contrast that with the Autobots who are like, you know, in mourning because Prime dies. And by the way, like Prime, that that has to have traumatized an entire generation of people. Oh, yeah. That... I love. OK, this line that is in the Wikipedia that this this cracks me the hell up. Hasbro's exclusively toy focused agenda demanded a product refresh to be contrived by the on screen extermination of starring characters. What a phrase. At the protest of some creators of the film and TV series, the slaughter of characters, especially Optimus Prime, inadvertently upset the young audience. I'm sorry. What part of this was inadvertent? It was intentional, purely intentional. And then second, how do you you have just taken the hero of the story? We this like. You're not even a third of the way through it, and you have killed the most recognizable guy, the hero of the story. One of the biggest draws of the series is now just straight gone, and I'm like, I I don't understand that choice. If they had – we get into it later, but if they had been like, oh, gosh, Optimus is in such a state, but you know, he and the Matrix are still there somehow, and we've got – and like – they're like, well, we need a new toy. It's like, well, you know, we, we could make a new Optimus Prime body for him or something. Like, you could have done that without – it's like, well, Optimus is dead. That's too bad, isn't it? I guess we're going to have to do something else. Like, so I think I think part of the problem here, though, is this movie's kind of uncharted water if you look at it contextually. I don't think – an like, an, it, to this point, a fairly long-running animated series had gotten, like, a theatrical release like this. So I think I think this is kind of a, a minefield they should have seen coming, but I don't think I don't think there had been many movies before where kids were coming in with pre-existing attachment to characters. 
Yeah. Because <clears throat> well, at this um, point, it, the, at this point, the show had had, I think, like almost 80 episodes across two seasons. And it had been on TV for like two years. So, you know, it, it had been going a while. It would be like you go to a John Wayne movie and in the first 15 minutes, someone's like, bang, John Wayne's dead. What are we doing for the rest of the runtime? It's like, uh, yeah, but that's that, who we came to see. Yeah, but you don't, you don't, you don't think of that like with a kid's movie though. And you're not thinking like, if you, if you did that, you're not like with Bambi's mom or something. You're not thinking like, oh wait, um, these kids have been exposed to Bambi's mother for literally hours upon hours of their lives on a daily basis. And we're just going to like right. kill her. So I think, I think they should have had more foresight to that. But like the creators of straight up said, like we didn't realize, like we didn't realize like the attachment that was going to be there because you think of it, it's like a stupid, you know, it's a stupid cartoon. You don't think like if you, if you, if I think if they had thought about it in that, or if, this had happened a few more times. Like this was maybe like the third or fourth animated movie that had come out based on like a TV series. that would have maybe been handled better, but this is kind yeah. of like, it is kind of like a first of its kind. And if you want to know why the GI Joe movie sucks so bad, it's because <clears throat> of this movie. Yeah. I was actually going to add that. Um, they, the G.I. Joe movie, which I, I do love, it's it's weird as fucking hell for those. We should probably <laughs> review that one, too. If that movie was originally – there was a scene where, where Duke gets stabbed in the chest, and it's clear on the animation. Like, he gets stabbed in the heart. Yeah. So he's 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 dead. Like, he should be dead. But because the the, the outcry, the the backlash from, from Optimus Prime's death, they wussed out, and they – acted like oh he just went to a coma it's like i saw him get stabbed in the heart guys like let's i don't know about that but after that (laughs) um they had him they they threw in and obviously like over like dubbed a voiceover like oh duke's gonna pull through and it's like wasn't it yeah i think doc did yeah he's like good news duke's gonna uh, pull through and it's like how (laughs) How? i know know. So then, so we get, so then we go to, um, essentially the, the floating dead bodies of Megatron and the people they, they chucked out and Unicron kind of like rouses him to talk to him. And he tells him pretty much, Hey, um, I need you to do this. And Megatron's, you know, being Megatron. So Megatron is such a little shit in this exchange. So then he's pretty much like, okay, well I'll just kill you. Then the Megatron gives up. So then he makes him into Galvatron and then mm-hmm. he makes two Cyclonuses, which is weird. I don't know why they did that. And then they made the sweeps. Scourge yeah. Cyclonus, the sweeps. Scourge in the sweeps, yeah. Scourge, he's supposed to be like a big deal, but the sweeps look exactly like Scourge. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, you're right. They did make two Cyclonuses. They didn't, they, and they never explained that. And in the rest of the film, you only see the one Cyclonus. Yeah. Um, what, but what an upgrade. Like the one uh, bombshell, the Insecticon, who was always kind of just like a chump. Uh, gets turned into Cyclonus, who's basically like the Galvatron's dragon. Essentially, he's the, the yeah. big. He he's like the big second in command, and he or gets, at least was in later episodes of the show. And he gets like a starship that's straight out of like an eighties anime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so, then he, so then he's like, "Well, let's go to Cybertron." So then you see Starscream getting coronated because he obviously won that that big brawl. Yeah. Um, okay. The the whole thing. 
who was it that had the horns? Oh, the Constructicons. Yeah, the Constructicons are trying to play the fanfare, and Starscream is pitching a fit because he's like, "Can we do this?" And I'm like, "Well, but we got to play the fanfare," and they just keep playing it. <laughs> so then he gets like, makes he, sense to me. He essentially gets to say, "My fellow Decepticons," and Galvatron lands, and he's like, "Who disrupts my coronation?" And then Galvatron's like, "This is bad comedy." He's like, Megatron's at you, and he's like, here's a hint. And he pretty much just melts Starscream. Oh, Starscream just, like, disintegrates. Yeah. It's it's a move that you look at and you go, well, we kind of been waiting for him to do that for 80 episodes. And but his... then you're also like, where did that move go for the rest of the movie? Well, did his... he use his one charge on that? On Star... I can't really blame him for using it on Starscream, but... You know, did he only have one charge in that? His um his ghost plays role in multiple series afterwards. Like he um he he possesses Scourge at one point in the season <clears throat> after this, but then he possesses I think Waspinator in Beast Wars way later in, in yeah, the Beast wow. Wars cartoon. So it plays okay. a role for a long I, time. I personally love Starscream. Um Again, he, my favorite Decepticon. So I I like that they they brought him back. I and I feel like they I mean they there was a lot of storyline stuff that made sense, but I also feel like they brought him back because he was such a strong character. Yeah, he's that he's hard. Pro- I would imagine there was probably like I don't know if there was like fan demand for him to come back, but he I feel like there probably was. He was he was I I don't think that I'm like on an island in in Starscream being a popular character. Yeah, I would say he is. Although I, I also personally loved Chris Lada as the voice actor. Yeah. Uh, also, also again, I'm a huge fan of GI Joe. Uh, also known as the voice of Cobra Commander in the GI Joe series. Yeah, he passed away. I don't. He passed away shortly after all this too. Like mm. by 2000, <clears throat> early 2000s, I think he had died. No, I'm looking it up. He was. Uh, he passed away in '94. Oh, so. Okay. About eight years after this, but I mean, he 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 died uh, relatively a long time ago, and not too long after these shows. Yeah. So then um, they attack Earth, where the Autobot. Well, no, Unicron attacks both moons. Um, we get Spike dropping the S bomb that got edited out of the VHS for years. <laughs> this is the so we don't get the G rating move. Yeah, and um. So then they come and attack Earth. Now the Dinobots show up again because this is my favorite part where Blur is trying to get them on the shuttle. Oh, oh you're he's right. he's pushing on Grimlock and he's like, good Dino, sweet Dino. And Grimlock's like, Grimlock, not nice Dino. And then they like <laughs> set like two of the sweeps on fire and they explode. <clears throat> oh, that was awesome. Like the, they, yeah, they, the, the Dinobots actually, I mean, against Devastator, they, he was kicking the shit out of them. But against like the regular, like the rank and file, like he, they were like, wiping them out and they just created the sweeps like a few minutes and prior in the film they're presenting like all these new bad guys like big deal and they just like fucking take out one of the sweeps like nobody's business like immediately yeah so <clears> then <throat> they take off and um another one of my favorite part with the dinobots is um cups talking about some battle with petra rabbits mm-hmm. and grimlock's like he's like grimlock like get your nose out of my my face he's like tell grimlock about petro rabbits again <laughs> tell yes. grimlock about petro rabbits the fact that they dropped a mice and men joke in this 
Oh my god, I didn't catch that. Yeah. Tell me about the rabbits again, cop. And I'm just like, they put an a mice and men joke in the Transformers move. Oh, wow. And then we we go we get we get the shuttles taking off. What, but I love this part too. It's again the Dinobots. So Cup's telling them a story, and Hot Rod's like, "Shouldn't we make a plan?" And they're like, "No, we want story." And they're like, "Quiet!" And then this, he's sparring with some robot, and it like cheap shots him. Yeah. And he runs over. It's like, "No, time out, time out, time out," which I thought was <laughs> hilarious. But again, that's very Star Wars. That scene's very Star Wars too. That's that's true. It was it was funny because you have Cup in the grizzled vet role um you know uh, telling telling old war stories and you have grimlock just wants to hear the war stories he just wants to hear the war part because i guess the dinobots were pretty simplistic and am like fighting so they am want fight but um the uh I was thrown just by the, the, the Lenny joke there in the middle of it. Uh, it's not, not even remotely what I was expecting. It's good character building though. This did a good job to build all the characters. Yeah. And it, it didn't take very long to do it either. So, you know, that's nice. Yeah. So then they get attacked in space. Um, so essentially cup hot rod and the dinobots get shot down and they they land on the quinison planet then the um the one with ultra magnus and everyone else they do an emergency separation and trick galvatron into thinking he blew them up so they head to junkion to repair themselves so then we go to which i think is the best one of the best scenes is is hot rod is underwater trapped in this seaweed and these like robot piranhas are attacking him Mm mm-hmm and that's awesome, like, heavy metal music's playing. So he goes and he saves Cup from this giant robot, like... Octopus. Octopus. There's a... I mean, obviously, I'm sure there were reasons, but there was a, a lot of, of robot animals in this film that <laughs> right? made no sense. Like, why is there a robot octopus <laughs> or squid well, on this planet? But it's, it's, it happened. So. That made humans into an oddly specific different species for the Transformers mm-hmm. universe. But what I thought was cool about this scene though is this is where like you get that you get that big moment in the hero's journey where like Hot Rod is like stepping up to the plate big time. Yeah, he's proving his competence. <clears throat> so yeah. that that is nice. So then and, he takes yeah. So then he um we'll, we'll stick with them through the thing then we'll go to the junkyards but so he fixes cup up then the Dinobots are kind of chilling out looking for him and they come across wheelie and grimlock gets mad at him and then wheelie uses a slingshot and like hits grimlock on the nose and because you know there was violence involved they're like okay like well we'll help you out and meanwhile cup and hot rod get captured by the quintessons because they tried the universal greeting on some crocodile transformers that did not reciprocate um the energon treats that they got because they're greedy yeah. little fucks so they go and they meet the guy from they get they, they essentially get put in jail and like what the the, the quintessons are doing is they're essentially just show trialing all these people and executing them like that's kind of the joke because they say innocent and then they just drop them in the shark to con pit guilty yeah. or innocent 
wasn't the um were the Quintessons like I, I forget, but weren't they supposed to have in the in Transformers lore? They weren't they supposed the to be like a, oh, okay, yeah, they're supposed to be have like a much big they must have been like a much, much bigger deal. Yeah. They were. They, yeah, they that I, gets expounded upon when they go to the third season which precedes this. I always when I was a child, like I always I always found the Quintessons like fascinating because they are just this completely different thing that is the Decepticons. They're just like out on this planet doing their own thing. Like they, they're not part of like the Autobot Decepticon war. And yet they're clearly villainous. Like they're 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 just feeding people to the Sharkticons. Yeah. And those alligator robots, and it, they're they're clearly like monstrous, like villainous people, but you don't know what the fuck their what their game is, like what what's the purpose. It, they were just an oddity, but also like fascinating to me because they're they also seem they seem partly like organic. Yeah, they're weird. They have like I... they have like squid arms. I mean, yeah. Well, one of them helps rebuild Optimus <clears throat> Prime when they when they bring him back finally. See a lot of this I don't really recall. Okay, so they um, so you meet the guy from the from the planet that Unicron attacked. So they feed him oh, the yeah. Sharkticons to kind of set things up. Then it's their turn. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they decide to fight, obviously. So that then we get the big battle, and one of the parts I like about this, and it just shows the attention to detail of this movie, is. Hot Rod punches one of the Sharktacons out and his teeth break. And you see mm-hmm. the other Sharktacons are kind of like, uh, can we go do something else? The one, this exchange, like, when the Sharktacons are fighting Grimlock, like, I actually really like that. Um, because basically once Grimlock starts just, like, tearing shit through them, they all then, eventually, like, they, they show, like, subservience to him, basically. And it's like, this, the Sharktacons are kind of, like, just animalistic uh, characters, but mm-hmm. this is clearly this is like okay. They know who now the biggest dog in the yard is. That that's and, the, I love that too. Where Wheelie like shoots one of them and he comes over like he's gonna do something and Grimlock like screams at him and he's like, oh shit, this thing's gonna like this. I'm I'm way in over my head. Like I'm gonna mm-hmm. run away. Yeah, he yeah. he basically showed up and and established himself as the alpha. Yeah, because Grimlock King. But yeah. I, my favorite part of this though is when they knock the door over on like the 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 um kind of the prosecutor guy like Slag takes mm-hmm. a moment to ex- say excuse me as they're stomping on him. <laughs> I did like that. There, I, I I see what you were saying. Like there's some uh like small little tidbits like that, but they are kind of like character defining for <laughs> the the Dinobots because they're kind of always presented as like a low intelligent brutes but they will do things like that where it's like it, it, it it's fun little like character uh aspects of them that they're they're clearly heroic but they're also kind of like dumb but they're also like uh good natured in a way yeah <clears throat> i i also like i thought it was great cinematography where like the sharktacons are kind of lining up and you just see the dinobots just like swaggering in like ready to just <laughs> Mm-hmm. go to town also the their reaction when grimlock's like no i say execute them they kind of look at each other like yeah why don't we just kill them mm-hmm. it, they're established as they're they're like a school of piranha but they're 
they're going to listen to whoever the boss is. And it's been established. This guy's the boss now. Yeah. You know, as you, they say in Zork Grand Inquisitor, remember, who is the boss of you? Me. I am the boss of you. And they, they're like, yeah, um, we can't take him, but we can take you. So, you know, we're, we're, we're switching up. Yeah. So then on our other plot line on the planet of junk, um, the Decepticons attack the survivors of that shuttle. They blow up Ultra Magnus. Galvatron gets the, um, the Matrix. Then the surviving Autobots get attacked by the Junkions, who um, we get the dare to be stupid part. But the Junkions are hilarious. Like, I love how if they knock one of them off their, their bike, the one that was riding the other Junkion transforms and they just kind of switch places. Yeah, I noticed that, too. And I, like, I liked when the one was, like, attacking RC. She just has this little, like, thing come out of her wheel and trips him. I thought that was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you actually, like, focus on, on the Junkions for a minute, they're cl- the reason why they didn't really, like, pop up that much, I feel, in subsequent episodes, I know, like, Guard was sh- like showed up a little bit but I, I i feel it's because they were like so fucking overpowered like you you would knock one down and another one would like immediately replace them they're like a hydra like and and they could re- repair themselves just with the junk in their planet well and it's also it's also another <clears throat> great character moment but it, it it stays true to your thing but when they finally start fighting unicron they essentially tank a direct hit from space satan Mm-hmm. And just keep coming because they got the special enamel with the guarantee for up to five years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they were awesome. They were like awesome characters. Like, and and they're presented as kind of like just like wacky. Um, but it, it again, it works. It actually works in the context of of their characters and in this movie. They, they get some direction and it, they they turn their. Uh, they turn their sights on something else. It's actually uh, funny. One of the newer series, they brought Weird Al back to voice Rekgar. Oh, oh, really? Because there's, there's a scene where they're like, they're, he, he does something to program a sh- ship like to crash, and Ratchet's like, no one would that be that stupid. He's like, I'm Rekgar. I dare to be stupid. <laughs> um, okay, so... The scene that happens right prior to the Junkions is that uh, Ultra Magnus trying to protect everybody. Like, Ultra Magnus, Megatron, or not Megatron, um, Optimus Prime referred to, you know, he was a soldier. He was the guy that Prime picked, this sort of stuff. He seals everybody off when, when the Decepticons are there. He's like, no, I'm going to make this thing. Okay, cool. And then he just goes down just immediately. And it goes back to my... Are the Autobots chumps? Like, I know the Junkions put him back together, but it's like, what? He just went down so easy. It it continued my theme of confusion about the Autobots. It's like, I see why they lost the war at this point. I mean, all three sweeps did, like, shoot him, though. But if he was... Style. If he was the... The big... Like, I'm the leader now guy, you know, I'm going to – all this sort of stuff. It's like you'd think he'd be able to take three shots, right? But no, he's just down. Or, I don't know, maybe dodge a little bit, but no, 
just take some full in the vulnerable parts, I guess. So then we get the we get the rest of the Autobots showing up. This time the universal greeting works. Um, Grimlock <laughs> gets kissed and is not happy about it. Ah, uh, we've grown up weeping nitty bond. Yeah. <laughs> Which the Junkions respond to, like they love it. Yeah, and then they start Cup, chanting it. Cup says, uh, "So we get an explanation that the the Junkions talk TV because they get like Earth transmissions. So that's how they learn mm-hmm. to talk." So then Cup's like, hey, we I know. speak TV. You yeah. speak TV? And Cup's like, I speak TV. <laughs> so then they head off because they're going to fight Unicron. So then Galvatron tries to double cross him. And then, um, of course, Unicron transforms. Because yep. why wouldn't he? And he's like, well, you know, for a time I thought about sparing Cybertron. But you know what? I'm just going to fuck it up now because I feel like it. So he attacks Cybertron, and then all hell breaks loose. He ends up eating Galvatron when he tries to fight him. And then we get we get the Autobots showing up, which I said, and then we get the awesome, the, the Junkions just straight up, like, take his best shot and keep coming. Because dare, they're... dare to believe. And then... Who can survive? <laughs> again, again, with some great, like, cinematography, like, he damages the the Quintesson ship, which is kind of like a giant drill. And then they do like a great scene where they just like fly it straight through his eye mm-hmm. and crash land. So then on the outside, also <laughs> my favorite part, I had a flashback in that moment when they crashed through his eye. <laughs> oh, Lawler, you son of a bitch. My, eye, my eye. <laughs> So then we get another great scene with the Dinobots. Come on, Terry. Why do you have to use that language? <laughs> As he's chain smoking his like palm all. Yeah. <laughs> so then we get another uh, great scene. I, with... I, I, no, I'm sorry. Oh. Shad, sorry. <laughs> I even feel like didn't he? It's like uh, like he like basically it's like oh Terry isn't here. Let me light up this another smoke. Yeah, <laughs> just, pretty much. Like ah, oh, just lit a cigarette. Damn it. Ah, little stick. Yeah, Come on, Terry. Because he's just sitting in a chair like chain smoking, waiting for them to show up. <laughs> Where's Lawler? Yeah. He's he's, he's goddamn coward. <laughs> That's why. So then we get we get a great Dinobot scene where Grimlock's like, me Grimlock kick butt, and he literally does kick him in the butt. Yeah. yeah. And the Dinobots, I thought this was a good scene, though, that showed how powerful the Dinobots are, because they did mm. do a little bit of damage to Unicron. Oh, yeah. But that goes back to, where was this earlier? <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't understand. So then inside Unicron, we get a bunch of stuff going on. Daniel gets separated from everyone, and then he finds the Autobots that had gotten sucked into Unicron earlier. And in a pretty grisly scene, like they're just getting dropped into a vat of acid and melted. So then you get Spike, who was in the um, original series as like a teenager, is like telling him like what to do with his exosuit. So he manages to save everyone in another brutal scene in this movie. And so then we get we get the big showdown. We get Hot Rod versus Galvatron, which I thought this battle was well choreographed is how they shift from like vehicle to robot form strategically to give themselves an advantage. Mm-hmm. And so then Galvatron like tries to strangle him uh, Hot Rod gets the Matrix, becomes Rodimus Prime, and then he pretty much just chucks um, Galvatron, like, used trash out of Galvatron, I mean, out of Unicron. 
the Autobot, he opens the Matrix, uh, the Autobots escape, Unicron blows up, and um, he declares the end of the Cybertron Wars, and then we get the ominous head floating in orbit around Cybertron, which <clears throat> plays a role throughout um, the third season of the show. Okay, I'm sorry, I gotta say it. I hate the name Rodimus Prime. I, I think it's dumb. Also, I guess Ultra Magnus was never worthy of being a Prime, even though he had the thing. But you are Rodimus Prime, and I'm just like, oh, God, I seriously. The point of that whole thing, though, even even with a bit of foreshadowing they did, though, was that Optimus Prime picked Ultra Magnus and the Matrix picked Hot Rod. Yeah, because they did do that earlier, but I'm still like – the thing – the eye roll for me was really more the name than anything else because I was just like, oh, my God, seriously. I don't think – um, did they all have primes in their name, or is that like a later conceit? No, because Alpha uh, Trion was in the – was in the, the Matrix. They do seem – it may have been a later conceit, but they do seem like the, the ones who, I guess, either hold the Matrix or, or like the – the main focus they that they are dubbed primes yeah because i think sentinel prime comes in later like with the comics and yeah. stuff and he's in the movies isn't he uh sentinel prime yeah because isn't leonard, yeah didn't they bring leonard nimoy back to voice yeah him? yeah he, yeah and he had a uh face heel turn <laughs> so um that, I, can we can we talk about that movie really quickly which one is can that? i talk I, about was that like the third one? That's the third one, and I, I I almost feel like I talked about this on the podcast before, but I want to re I want to re <laughs> reiterate that movie. Like I literally I didn't do it, but I wanted to like step up in the middle of the fucking movie theater and be like, "What is this shit?" Because they had the Decepticons conquer Chicago, because they're the, they everyone thinks that the the Autobots were blown up in a shuttle and the Decepticons go through and you literally see Decepticons like shooting human beings with their like their their weapons and the people disintegrating like just poof dust. Wow. OK. It's like it's I mean, it's not bloody in the sense that it's like you don't see like blood and organs, but it's like it's 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 graphic that you're seeing yeah. people die. And then like within a few minutes after that. The Autobots like reappear and like, oh, we actually faked our deaths because we had to we had to let the world see how bad the Decepticons are. And it's like, Jesus fucking Christ, you literally let who knows how many uh, Chicago people die. Yeah, a lot of humans died. There had it had to have been the thousands. You literally let people die (laughs) just so you could prove a point. Uh, and then they start like, you know, kicking the ass of the Decepticons. But it's like that to me, like that was like, how how are you? Like the heroes, uh, I mean, <laughs> technically I know you are, but you're you just literally let thousands of people die, and like, yeah. I'm, I mean, I get tough love, <laughs> but that was like beyond the pale. Yeah, that that's that's like, oh well, um, maybe if you would have listened to us, hundreds of people wouldn't have died, and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you could have stopped hundreds of people from dying and made this same point better. Yeah, yeah, but no, no, can't do that. It's, it's, I'm I'm having a flashback. I've been on an epic rap battle of history kick lately, and I'm having the flashback of Michael Bay showing up at the end of the director's one. Hmm. 
I ain't got that guilt money. Take the check to the bank and I sign it with my nuts. And it's just like, well, that sounds about right. Um, I, I don't know. I, I watched the first Michael Bay Transformers movie. And after that, I was like, you know what? I'm good. Um, I, I didn't, like I said, I didn't have the, the attachment that a lot of folks did. Uh, but after, you know, after the first one, I know part of why not is because the first one had so much, um, there was too much of the humans in it. And, and the fact that the first movie had Optimus Prime say the line, parents are so annoying. I was just like, Oh God, this can only get worse from here. Mm -hmm. And so I, I tapped out after that movie. Like I finished it, but I tapped out after it. I'm like, Nope, 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 not doing that. Um, so like one of the biggest takeaways for me in this movie is just the pacing goes. It is, um, it's like a someone who's just learning how to drive. It's all the speed and then none of the speed and all the speed and none of the, it's it's like lots of stuff happening, nothing. Lots of stuff happening, nothing. And the the pacing seems consistently inconsistent. I feel like what it is is it's kind of like a wrestling match and that they bring you down to bring you back up. It happens fast. Well, I mean, it's only yeah. a, it's only an hour and twenty six minute movie. It's not like that's I mean, also true. I mean, if this came out this year, it would be like a two and a half hour movie and probably that's not be as good. True. Yeah. The, whenever I stopped to look at the um, at the time on it, I did the mouse over on the progress bar, and the, it it had a, I, I did it like right in the middle without meaning to. There's like this much time on one end of the bar and this much on the other. I'm like, oh, well, then I guess we're not, you know, it's not real long then. And I came back and I'm like, oh, this is way longer than I thought it was. This, uh, okay. I mean, you don't get bored, really. It keeps it, it keeps it I, moving. I got confused a lot. <laughs> it, you really, it really relies on you having background information. Yeah. Like, cause my wife had some questions about stuff. And when I explained it to her, then she was like, oh, okay, wait, no, they gave that to me. Like she was a little confused about why they attacked Autobot city and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I think you had questions. I don't know. You haven't voiced it in this, but you were kind of like, well, why didn't they know about Unicron? And, um, yeah, that's... that was at the very beginning. They knew what he was. Cause they're like, Oh no, it's Unicron. He's here to eat the planet. We've got to try and leave. And I'm like, Guys, um, like you're on the science plant doing – you know what Unicron is. Don't you think someone would keep tabs on him and be like, hey, Unicron's coming this way. Maybe we ought to have some evacuation plan in place. It's just like this planet-sized thing showed up at your planet, and it's just like, oh, this is bad. We know what this is and why it's bad. I don't know anybody. Keep track well, I think of that. I think they might have had an evacuation plan, but it doesn't work because Galvat. <laughs> I mean, because Unicron just pulls you in with like that center of gravity that he has. 
But like on the Transformers front, though, that's something else where you had questions why the Transformers didn't know about him. Yeah, and, and why not? You, because essentially, if you if you dig into it, even in the cartoon, essentially once like the the war between the Autobots and the Decepticons stop, like all scientific advancement and like any interest in anything like just stops. There's actually an episode from the first season where they introduce Skyfire. Oh yeah. And um, Skyfire and Starscream were like scientists and friends like before the show, like before the war started. And, you know, they kind of have some conversations about that. And you actually get kind of that episode's actually really good because you kind of get a human side of Starscream. Or like a more deep look into him. But pretty much like everyone got conscripted into the war once it started. Yeah. And if you go into like the IDW stuff, which does like a good background thing, like in that, like Megatron starts out as... um essentially a mining robot and he starts like a workers revolution and then they go totally like cuckoo bananas and like just start executing people and um in that optimus prime is like a space cop known as orion pax now in the cartoon it's different he's like a worker that kind of admires megatron and gets turned on and then alpha trion turns him into optimus prime so it changes based on the telling but essentially once the Civil War starts, like, the the Transformers just don't do anything else. Yeah. It, I I read some of those IDW comics, um, and it has a weird uh, – Transformers isn't really a, a political uh, comic, but it does have almost, like, some weird, like, communist um, subtext to it because Megatron does – kind of like start he basically does you right like form like a workers union they kind of established in the comics that he was he he and the people like him were unfairly treated yeah i mean they were treated shit he was treated horribly yeah but then like like true communists they immediately turn into like like a a politics of like resentment and wanted to get back at people and it just turns into like authoritarian and depravity and it well it turns into like it a lot of revolutions, honestly, like we'll, we'll just use the French Revolution as like mm-hmm. one that I, I know a lot about. But it turns into uh, they can't stop killing each other. No. And um, that's, that's kind of where Megatron <laughs> goes wrong in the IDW ones. That's actually a really good one, though. It's called All Hail Megatron. That's like a yeah. four issue miniseries. That's really it's a. I think that's a more interesting origin than what the cartoon w- really did with it. But um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, can we go back to Unicron really quickly? Um, you're right. Like they should have, they should have fleshed out him more because he's kind of presented in this movie almost as like the Transformers equivalent of like Galactus. You know, I tend to around, look at like, him as more of um, Space Satan or an Eldritch Abomination. Yeah, he's in. And what they have kind of like done with him in the in the Transformers mythos, in additional stuff, either comics or additional Beast uh, Wars, uh, yeah, animated shows, he is he is transformed more uh, conceptually into like an Eldritch Abomination that is just it exists and just d- destroys like large portions of the universe just for like no no particular reason at least galactus does it for like sustenance um 
I think they established like like Unicron doesn't even need to do the things that he does to sustain himself. He just does it because he like he's just a piece of shit. He's a, he's space Satan. He's evil. Well, see from from like a religious context <laughs> though, mm-hmm. I kind of like that. Um, they never really go into what his motivations are because to me, like as an adult that you know has you know studied religion and stuff i kind of like the idea that he is such a high level being that you really don't even know why he's doing what he's doing because it's so beyond what any other character in the series could probably even understand yeah and i mean technically i guess his motivations in this are a little bit uh murky because the he's he's obviously he's considered evil because he does evil things like he's eating planets in this film uh and he's trying to obviously destroy the the autobots by sending you know minions out to destroy them but it's just kind of to the extent that you know his motivations and, and why he's doing the things that he's doing it's only that because he wants the matrix destroyed because the matrix is like the one thing in the universe that can actually like harm him in in some way yeah because that's even like I even feel like that's kind of part of the plot though. Because Megatron kind of tries to get more out of him, and he's like, "I don't have to tell you anything." Yeah. I, considers Megatron a lesser being. It's like, why would I explain myself to you? Yeah. Because because I like that too. He's like, "Who summons me? Like, no one summons Megatron." He's like, "Well, it pleases me to be the first then." Mm-hmm. But I kind of. Yeah. I kind of feel like Megatron was dead, though, and he actually revived Megatron to talk to him. The way they kind of, like, shot the scene of them floating towards Unicron. I only kind of... I I remember it, but it didn't jump at me. It's kind of... it's kind of... it's kind of a quick little scene yeah. before he starts talking mm-hmm. so shad i know you you've had a lot of complaints but what did what was your overall thoughts it, of it as a as a film it is a very 80s experience and um there are logical holes in it that i could i would probably just overlook if i was invested but where I would, I'm not as invested. I, I'm I'm sticking on those more because they kind of pulled me out. But it's it's not. I don't like using the phrase "it's a kids' movie" because then that you're implying that kids are dumb and you you can't you can't present them anything that might be more complicated than super simplistic stuff. Um, but I'm I'm probably making more demands of it than i probably should i think um i would not show this to kids under a certain age honestly like i probably shouldn't have seen it when i was like six or seven when i originally saw this uh you know what i would agree uh because there's a lot of death and darkness in this film and there's Uh, a lot of there's a lot there's some thematic stuff going on that like really you can't appreciate until you're a little older too Mm mm-hmm Oh, I was saying earlier, you know, when I was a kid, I watched The Land Before Time repeatedly. What's one of the first thing that happens in that is Littlefoot watches Sharptooth basically kill his mom. Yeah. Don Bluth 
did not screw around when it came to traumatizing kids. Because then when you get to the end of the movie and you get the happy stuff, well, that makes it all better, right? And it's like, no, Don, no, it, it doesn't. It really, really don't don't be doing that. Um, I I feel like some of the things with this movie though is it could have used another fifteen minutes to flesh some stuff out, and I think where I also think where some of your disconnects come to, from is um, it's actually a little more than a kids movie. Like there's some ambition, and they like swing for the fences on a couple things, which. I think if you're not like you don't have like the background knowledge can really hurt it in ways. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to say this. They decide to really put it out there and try for some stuff. I mean, the the whole point of the movie is let's get it rid of the old stuff so we can make new characters to but sell. But I also feel like they said, like, but we have to do that. They, but let's not let's not let's not settle either. Yeah, they they were like, well, let's try some stuff. And I have to applaud them for that. They didn't just roll over and be like, well, this is what it is. It's like, yeah, if we're going to do this, let's let's try and make this something. Yeah, because I would say even if you don't enjoy the movie, which I think there's a good chance if you haven't seen it, you might not enjoy it. But I will say it is not cookie cutter. No, that's true. It's not. Um, but, you know, it, it does it does require a certain amount of buy in. Yeah. I was going to say with your um, Don Bluth hate, um, this, the opening it's not of, even really hate, but it's just that tendency that he has is that's rough. I was going to say the opening of American Tale where like the Bolsheviks are like torching the village. Yeah, that's actually, you know, we should we should put an American Tale, the first one on. um on the list to do eventually because i feel like that's another animated movie that maybe someone younger wouldn't appreciate but has a lot to say about like the early 1900s immigrant experience in the united states and like the disappointment of of expectation versus reality that movie frustrates me because it is there are just repeated scenes where if anybody had looked left at all. And there were like four or five people that could have, if anybody had looked left at all, then the major conflict of the scene would be resolved. And it's not, it's, it's not like heightening tension. It was just frustrating. I think that's the point though. The point I'm was to show invest, you how invested. If I'm aggravated, I'm not heartbroken that they missed. I'm annoyed. So I'm putting that on the know. list after we do. Um, we do a couple other ones, but so Matt, what did, what did you think of this? Since you also have a. So I had saw this as a child, um, but it had been probably been a, a good 20 years since I've seen this. And then watching it again as like an adult, um, I kind of, I feel like I kind of agree with Shad that there's like some some pacing problems with it, but I did still like the film. I, I still like it. I, I there's some stuff that's like kind of wacky and it seems like it's filler. Like they they needed to have the Autobots like escape from the Decepticons, and that's where all like the stuff with the Quintessons and 
like the junkions, all that stuff like that. So, I mean, that kind of like is there. It's and they it does kind of play a role in things because you have the junkions like teaming up to, to attack Unicron. There's some there's some storyline progression there, but it's like it, it almost seems like filler. So there's like some weird pacing stuff, and it's like oh, I probably would have tightened this up a little bit, or maybe if there was like stuff that was deleted scenes, like that that would that would flesh things out a little more. But I did overall like it. I felt like it had uh, <laughs> to kind of like translate it to like wrestling talk. This has like big match feel. <laughs> there was like that the music helped. There are points where it's like this, a scenes where you'd watch and it's like whoa. Like some big stuff is happening, and it seemed very like cinematic. It wasn't just like here's like an extended episode of the TV show. Yeah, yeah. I so I I, I liked it. Go I ahead. think what it has going for it, and I told my wife like I don't think a movie like this would get made today because this movie is very unapologetic. It's like hey, we're here to rock like with some heavy music we're gonna blow the fuck out of everything we see and we're not gonna say sorry after all the explosions are done like it's kind of an unapologetic 80s action movie yeah and it's not ironic about it either it's just like hey we're here to we're here we're gonna we're here to have some fun and blow some stuff up like let's go it is as you said, it is not cookie cutter. It is outside the mold. So I I would say I would say if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, I would recommend you watch it. You may not be super into it, but I don't think you would regret watching it. It's I mean, it's a short film. It's like an hour and a half. Yeah, it's like you it, it there are way worse times to spend the 90 minutes of your your day. Yeah. And. And there's some cool action in it. Like there's a lot of cool action in it. Yeah. It it made me want to rewatch a lot of the old generation one stuff. Uh and I won't lie, after I watched it, I was like I went on uh I went on Google and I was like Googling the old uh nineteen eighties toy catalogs for Transformers. Oh yeah, I do. Did that. you ever did, the little foldouts get... that used to come with them, yeah. I, yes, I yes. I had, I had like all. I think I had almost all of them. There was apparently like four catalogs that they put out that were little foldout ones, and I had at least three of the four. I don't think I, I had, had most. I, I, had I think four. there were five. Okay, well, I, I had three of the four or five for sure, but I don't. I didn't have the other one. But I was looking at, and I was like looking at the, the toys, and I, I will say, like I, I think Brad, I think you've collected some recent transformer toys i yeah. haven't like the my i have not got a transformer toy since like probably like the 80s maybe maybe the early 90s but no actually probably like the 80s so it's the toys back then were like clunky as shit but the, <laughs> the toys that they have actually now like within the last like five ten years uh i actually i will say that they actually the design is much cooler like yeah. the, when they translate when they transform into robots uh, it actually, they actually look like like functional action figures versus and just like here's here's a here's a robot here's a toy that turns it, it's a Transformers toy that it's it's really cool in vehicle mode but when you transform it into robot mode they can move like the arms and the head and like that's it like no <laughs> stuff now has like way more um, articulation which I think is yeah. cool and they're they're plastic instead of the metals <laughs> they're much more sturdy like they last longer yeah. now uh, I. I don't want to go into the rabbit hole of Transformer toys. I have a friend who has gone that route. 
uh and he sends me like photos and it's like that's cool but they those things take up so much space i know like it's ridiculous the two things two things that i actually would contemplate uh collecting is the the little the original old school mini uh oh, transformer micromasters uh, I don't know if they're Micromasters. Oh, the, like the the little the, the one that was the other toy line that they meshed in that had like Bumblebee and Brawn in those ones. Yes, it's okay. like that. It's like a uh, Brawn, uh, Bumblebee, stuff like that. Where it's like the both the the vehicle uh, toys when they transform into a, a an actual like robot, they're like two inches tall, maybe like or yeah, they're, they're like really really small. Like I I would contemplate collecting those, and I would also contemplate. They sell new versions, and I guess you could find like the original version. But I would consider getting Devastator because that's to me like Devastator. Those, get, those are like two hundred bucks, sadly. Yeah, even the new ones are like pricey. Yeah. So all all I did is I I'm 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 not getting a lot. So all I'm doing is getting uh, G1 Autobots. That's like, and I'm getting Seekers. That's the only Decepticons mm. I'm getting right now. I'm getting like. A version of all the seekers which is like starscream and like thundercracker skywarp and then those guys but yeah so I'm, I'm sticking mostly to g1 autobots so that makes it a lot better uh, my friend who is collecting he is one thing the, the the toys that he has specifically been targeting has been uh effectively combiners oh they're so, so expensive because they're doing the they, they're doing the stunicons and like just um, it's it's gonna be like. If you're getting the new stuff, if you're getting the the original stuff, it's prob it might be less expensive than like new ones, yeah, but it, it is still it is still kind of pricey. Like he, he basically you have to go to like old comic shops or uh, stores that that specialize in like old old school toys. The thing is, though, if you go to those, a lot of them price it up to where it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's a crapshoot. I mean, I I'm in the D.C. area, so that's I'm fortunate enough that that between like Maryland, Virginia, places like that, even like he doesn't go to Pennsylvania, but it's like Pennsylvania is in theory like close enough. It's like you we can kind of find stuff. But yeah, it does get pricey because there's like an old there's an old one here in like downtown and it's cool to go in. But like. Most of their prices are like, oh, you just really want this for like your shelves to look cool. You don't want me to actually buy it. So that's that's the thing I run into with it. So I think um I think our next movie review is going to be around WrestleMania, and that is going to be No Holds Barred. <laughs> <laughs> I smell dookie. <laughs> there's, think, there's the line from the movie for you right there. A, a film that was basically written uh, on the fly by a very coked out Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Maybe we should do a double feature and do um, Suburban Commando that month too. <laughs> I which, was frozen uh, today. <laughs> which I would I I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it out there and I think I've said it on this podcast before. Of that series of Hulk Hogan movies, I think Suburban Commando is the best of them. I would agree. That's, I mean, yeah, probably, but I don't know how high of a bar we're talking. 
I mean, it's it's an okay movie. Like, it is not offensively bad. It's not great. It's not good. I wouldn't even call it okay, but I would not say it's offensive. Uh, yeah. It's not Santa with muscles. I don't think I've ever I seen Santa myself. with muscles. Ooh, dude. Oh, God. Is it as bad as um Santa Claus Conquers the Martians? Oh, I haven't seen all of that. It's a different kind of bad. No. Did you guys it's... ever see Thunder in Paradise? Yeah. One episode. Oh, I saw more than one. I, I saw a lot of that, actually. Yeah, me too. Fun fun fact. This little bit of trivia. Um, one of my favorite non-wrestling shows in the world was... Uh, it was the uh, Clarkson May uh, Hammond version of Top Gear. And then they moved over to Amazon um, and made Grand Tour. They did a special, a travel special, where instead of using cars, they were using boats. Richard Hammond got one of the speedboats from Thunder in Paradise to be his boat for that special. Hmm. And um, it's it's they they go down the Mekong River and uh, it is. Uh, it, it's a fun special to watch. We'll we'll put it that way. But it's a, it, I, I'll say I'm not a car guy, but I enjoy car stuff. They it, they're a lot of fun to watch. They're they're where a lot of that came from. But um, that speedboat outran a uh, whatever the um, the uh, PBR the patrol river, the the U.S. patrol river boats from Vietnam. It outruns one of those. So, there you go. They had good boats in Thunder Paradise. And then um, next week, Justin is very excited about what we're doing ne- next week. Actually, there's I'm, your shout out, Justin. I am. I'm actually super excited for next week. I think all three of us are. I know Shad said he's really excited because he doesn't know he hasn't seen much of this era, but we are doing the Bruno San Martino versus Larry Zbysko feud from 1980 WWF. Friends, and, does this mean we're going to Larry land? Yes. And we, we, I found, I found the, the, the awesome Bruno empty arena promo after Larry turns on him. Like I, we are, cool. I am, I'm so looking forward to this because I've seen most of it before, and for a company that I don't feel did great storytelling before Vince Jr. came around, I feel like this is, if this was, if this, if there was a Criterion collection for wrestling, this would have to be one of the first ones that would, like, go in there. Mm -hmm. It is just an excellent, like, it is an excellent, like, protege turning on his, his mentor. Well, we are looking forward to that. And hey, everybody out there, it, if you have thoughts about the Transformer movie, <laughs> let us know on our social media. We'd love to hear from you. And, uh, you know, comments about the upcoming um, Bruno, uh, you know, Bruno Zabisco feud and all that sort of good stuff. So um, we'd love to hear from you on social media. Please hit us up. But with all of that being said, this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth, and we will catch you next time.